Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Russian troops on the move again. Ukrainian officials tonight expressing new concern about further big deployments in neighboring Belarus of Russian soldiers, along with tanks, artillery, and other hardware. Just some of over 125,000 troops threatening a possible full-scale invasion of the country. And the story broke in the last 72 hours that Joe Biden had a change of heart for some reason on the whole idea of us sending troops anywhere. And we now have 8,500 troops on heightened alert. As of today, and the idea of sending them to somewhere in the region, not Ukraine, but somewhere in the region, and definitely more, uh, you know, uh, armament stuff, you know, support. Military analyst Mike Lyons joins us. Mike served with various military organizations uh, for the United States of America throughout his career, was awarded the Bronze Star for his actions in combat, among other recognition. Mike, how are you, sir? Hey, morning, guys. Great to be back with you. First of all, and I ask this because a lot of our listeners are emailing, talking about, guys, we can't go to war, war with Russia, we're, we're, we're going to go, we're wagging the dog, getting in a war. Where are the troops and armaments being sent, and what's the significance of it? Okay, so, yeah, first of all, this is not a wag the dog. This is a very serious military buildup on the side of Russia, who's acting more like the Soviet Union right now, from more analysis that I've been doing the past few days here. and. They're, they're bringing troops from Siberia, way uh, east of Moscow. They, they are, have a very, very serious military buildup here, sending troops into Belarus. Um, Navy, for example, is going to go do, do an exercise in the Irish Sea. And the only thing I can see uh, from there, that perspective is the amount of technology that transfers from Europe to the United States and underground cables and things. So, so they're doing a, many things right now that, that are seen to be very aggressive with regard to their military. So, n- number one, this is not a wag the dog. So it comes back to this issue of 
what's this level of deterrence that we're going to do to keep them from actually doing something? Um, you know, we, we're sending 85 troops. We put them on heightened alert. That's like double secret probation, frankly, because with the amount of troops that they have there right now, um, we, we wouldn't get anybody there on time if we were going to put them in Ukraine. We might be able to help a NATO country that's surrounding them. But for all practical purposes right now, we've got to look at this through the eyes of Russia and say they're going to definitely do something, and it's just the question is a matter of when. I saw one analyst talking about uh, Russia having in place what it needs for a blitzkrieg-like operation, just a super fast, overwhelming, they've got the country before you know what happened sort of a maneuver. Is that possible? Yeah, I think it's true, and they're going to avoid built-up areas and likely go for their military. And so Russia will win this by destroying the Ukraine military. Now, we could send all the ammunition and javelins and, and surface-to-air missiles we want, and, and they get to Kiev and, you know, they could sit on a dock someplace. But, but the bottom line is um, if, we, if, if they've destroyed any of the users of that equipment, it's not going to matter. And they, they know where it all is. They know how they're going to target it. They know what they're going to do. They're going to bypass certain areas. I think that the fact that they put so many troops down in the in the northern part or you know in that Belarus area shows they're going to do this pincer movement where they'll likely come from the north they'll likely look to surround the capital um and 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 not just take control of 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 the country but you know really destroy the military and just put it set it back 30 to 50 years when it comes to being a country and if they decide to leave then then so what they've destroyed it so Russia's perspective of Ukraine is they're an enemy um they've been they've been fighting for them for the past 7 years um, they perceive them as a threat. They perceive them as trying to align with the West. And from their perspective, they don't think deterrence has worked. They've tried deterrence on, on Ukraine. And from their perspective, it hasn't worked, which is why they're doing what they're doing. Let's rewind a little bit. And I realize this could be a book-length answer. But what are the American interests in Ukraine, in Russia's aggressions in Ukraine? Why do we care? Well, um, at, at 50,000 feet, it's supporting you know, a sovereign nation. That's a democracy. So it's more ideological than it is economic, let's say, um, from that perspective. And, you know, we can cavil as to whether or not that's a good idea to go to war over. Probably not in today's world. Um, number two, it also serves as potentially this linchpin that would drive NATO apart. You've got already the Germans not playing. They're not really participating in what's going on because they rely on about 30 percent of their energy comes from Russia. So they're not looking to get into any kind of conflict with Russia. Um, but other than that, it's. You know, us trying to prop up, um, you know, these Eastern European countries who mistakenly we allowed in NATO following 1999, 2004 under the Bush administration. You know, so so this could end up turning out to be a war of former Soviet bloc countries against uh, against Russia. Now, what happens then? What happens if Romania decides to cross a border that they share with Ukraine and help the Ukraine military? Russia attacks them and does something into Ukraine and launches missiles into, into Romania, then what happens? Then that's a NATO country. Here we go, Article 5, and now the U.S. is dragged into this. This was the problem of, of putting these countries in. I've said this before. We can't have membership to NATO to be everybody but Russia. Same mistake we're making that we made that started World War One. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, that whole NATO Article 5 thing. So that's the danger of the United States actually getting involved, right? If, if any NATO plane or ship or soldier or anybody... Um, somehow on purpose or inadvertently gets attacked, then then things change. Yeah, in theory, there's a lot of things going on in the Med right now. We've got a carrier group there. The Russians have got um, naval forces there. They've got them in the Atlantic, uh, in the Black Sea, of course. 
uh, anything that we just don't know what that trigger could be, and that could lead to a further escalation. And, and then what does that look like? I mean, it, from, from our perspective, it's only strategic weapons because, like I said, we, we don't have any capability to get troops there on time. I, I just don't think 8,500 troops on high alert is the is the kind of deterrence that we need to be doing. I also don't agree with us implementing sanctions right now. Anything we do right now is going to be considered preemptive. It's going to be considered an act of war on the Russian side. So I think that'll just further down the road the, the, his capability of, of wanting to, to do this even more. I mean, the, we, he's got to look at right now the cost of not acting. That that Talleyrand expression about, you know, you can do a lot of things with bayonets, but you can't sit on them. He's going to lose a lot of face here if nothing if nothing does happen, if he doesn't do anything um, with his own people, I think. Um, and we've got to figure out diplomatically if there's if there's an off-ramp to that or not, or, or else right now from the way I look at it, um, the Ukraine military is about to be destroyed. Oh, boy. Well, there's been some reporting that the Ukraine military's plan is to kill as many Russian soldiers as fast as they can and have the Russian public turn against this. Of course, if it's a two-day operation for Russia to roll through the whole country and take it over, I suppose there wouldn't be time to uh, to turn right. public uh, opinion. There's a crazy op in the World Street Journal today that says 100,000 troops is not enough. And, and I sit there and I go, how, how do you know that? I mean, we, we look at we look at the situation in the past of what's what's happened. I just don't think that that's you know a feasible way of deterrence and making sure that 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 uh, that's going to keep them from doing anything. Mike, have you actually let loose the dogs of war? Yeah, we can hear the dogs of war in the background. <laughs> yeah, and no, I had him had him locked up, but he gets out. He gets oh, don't worry about it. No, <laughs> I just, we just thought that was a funny joke. That's all there was to that. Um, <laughs> Mike Lyons, military analyst on the line. Always great to talk to Mike. Jack. So, is the most likely thing that happens then? Russia moves in. It only takes a couple of days. They destroy the Ukrainian military. They take over Ukraine, and the world says, "Eh, what are you going to do?" Is that what's going to happen? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that the question is how much damage does Russia cause? Do they feel they have to go overboard? And um, it could lead to those crippling sanctions that we say that, that are going to happen. Again, the Germans are not going to go with them, and the Chinese will still you know, back support them as well. Um, I, I just think that the question is how much will be destroyed of, of the Ukraine military, because that's really – it would be no match. They have they, – they don't have the same capabilities over 100 and – some 50,000. They've got all those other troops that are there as well. They just don't have any kind of capability. And, and again, these anti-tank missiles and the things we're sending is not going to be enough to stop them. They're, they're, the Russians are going to do this by indirect fire. They're going to sh- fire missiles and artillery into these built-up areas, flatten them, level them for a few days, and then decide to roll in to destroy anything that's left over. Mm. So just a, another book-length question, uh, you know, condensed down into a minute or two. Um, to what extent... In your opinion, is Vladimir Putin trying to recapture the not only the ground but the glory of the Soviet Empire? And to what extent is he like Russian rulers through history, you know, fairly paranoid about attacks from the the West and the South, and he's just trying to establish a, a buffer? I, I think he's not acting like a Russian ruler. He's acting like a Soviet ruler. He's not. It's, and there's a difference. I mean. Um, you know, Russia potentially would have been part of the international community. Look at I mean, Boris Yeltsin and look at the things that, that, they, that they tried to do at the end there with Glasnost and, and Gorbachev, and that was more of a Russian ruler. He's much more ruthless. He's more so of a Soviet Union leader that wants to bring um, as much damage down and fear as a tactic in order to get things going. He, there's no carrot and stick with Vladimir Putin. I, I think the question is um, he wants America out of Europe, that's for sure. 
And dirty little secret is we are. I mean, we took 300,000 troops out in the 90s, but he, he doesn't want any more influence in those NATO countries that we have there. And I think I think that's um, the question of whether he can get there with this or not remains to be seen. I saw a good article from Fiona Hill that said, you know, he's got us right where he wants us. And there's there's some ways that's true. The question is, again, he goes in there with this destructive force, kills a lot of people, destroys the Ukraine military, and then turns to the United States and say, now what are you going to do about it? Yeah, the frustrating thing to me as I watch this is there's no, well, not no, there are a few strong intrinsic reasons why we are rivals with Vladimir Putin and his kleptocracy. I mean, it's not like China exactly. He's not exactly a communist, uh, sort of one. Uh, but why in the world are, are we these huge adversaries with Putin? Well, it's because Putin's a megalomaniac, I think. Yeah, and he's got nuclear weapons, and they, they, he does fancy himself as being, you know, a global leader. He wants to exert global influence, especially in the in the region. It's the same reason why the Chinese want us out of Asia. Um, Russia wants us out of Europe, and he wants to have that sphere of influence over it. Um, you know, I do think that at the end of the day, though, if we get too bogged down in this. And we keep don't keep around the ball that China still presents the bigger problem because of their economy and because of where oh, yeah. their military capability is. And we couldn't make a bullets to kill all the people. So, you know, there's just not, you know, it's still a pretty large distraction here. And I'm not sure we're going to be able to thread the needle on this in a way that's going to that's going to either save face on our side, on the NATO side, doesn't split the alliance up on some level. Uh, but I do think, again, that it's going to be kinetic, and I think the, that the, a large part of that Ukraine military is going to get destroyed because he's got the capability to do that. We almost used up all our time before I ask my big stupid question, which is, is there any chance Russia and China's working together that, that Russia's going to move on Ukraine and China's going to move on Taiwan? I, I think the only way that happens is if it's uh, at, after the Olympics. The, the Chinese have got so much focus there. He, we, Russia did that at the end of the Sochi Olympics in 2014. He literally, the last day of the Olympics, he moved on Crimea. I, I think that his, he's going to at least give the Chinese that amount of time. It's going to give two or three more weeks for the ground to freeze so the tanks don't sink in, in the mud uh, as they roll across the country. But I, I, got, I think quick incursion go in, a lot of fires. A lot of death and destruction. I'm not sure they're going to occupy, but I don't think it's still going to happen for a couple of weeks because of the Olympics. So that's where they're going to work together. Well, getting back to your charming saying about bayonets, something is going to happen. I hope we can stay in touch. Military analyst Mike Lyons, always enlightening, Mike. Thanks a million. Hey, guys. Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and if you want to follow the story, follow him on Twitter because he, uh, he often has the very latest, best uh, stuff going on there. I, th- I think they're just going to roll in, take over Ukraine. The world's going to say, damn it. Can you believe that? That sucks. There'll be sanctions. There'll that be really sucks. Strong statements. Strong statements. So Putin has amassed a half a trillion dollars of reserve money, according to a report out today, to be able to weather sanctions. Half a trillion. He needs oil to be $40 a barrel to be able to make a profit. It's twice that. And that's where they get most of their revenue. So mm-hmm. financially, a lot of thinkers think the sanctions just, he's not scared of them at all. Between oil and his saved up money. He's going to roll and he's going to take Ukraine and the world's going to go, God, can you believe he did that? Damn it. Because he can. What a mean guy. What a stupid son of a bitch. Anyway, have you seen seen the new season of Squid Game? And then we go back to other, you know, whatever stuff we talk about. I think he nailed it. Yep. There you go. Armstrong and Getty. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. 
Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.